Welcome to another edition of the Music Academy Success Podcast. Music Academy Success is the largest and number one program for music school owners. Since 2008, master business coach Marty Fort has worked with school owners and teachers in 44 states and on six continents. On the Music Academy Success Podcast, you'll hear interviews with music lesson industry leaders so you can learn how to better your business by getting more students, keeping students longer, and building the music school and lifestyle of your dreams. And now, here's your host for the podcast, CEO of Music Academy Success, Mr. Marty Fort. Welcome to the Music Academy Success System podcast. This is Marty Fort here with you. I'm your host, and I'm the CEO of the Music Academy Success program, which we call MASS. MASS is 2008 is the world's largest and leading program. We work with hundreds of musical owners all around the world on six continents. We work with music teachers that teach in their homes. We work with music teachers that teach in students' homes. We work with small schools, 50 to 100 music students, mid-sized schools with 500 students. We even work with large schools that have 4,000 students. And I myself have 1,500 students, three locations. They are the largest schools in South Carolina. And what I do is I help musical owners to grow their businesses, grow their enrollment, fix their student retention, and a variety of things with our coaching and our live events. And we enjoy doing this podcast. We bring you guest experts in the music education field. Some are mass members, some are just different authors and celebrities. And we've got a lot of great episodes planned. So keep checking out the Music Academy Success Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And today I'm very excited to welcome Mr. James Franzek from Canada. Um, I wanted to bring him on today because Canada's had a very tough time this year, um, as we all have. But especially in Canada, the lockdowns have been very stringent. Um, a lot of Canadian schools have gone under. Um, it's been a very tough time up there, but James' schools are doing amazing. So there's a lot you're going to learn from him on the podcast today about how he was able to break through in a difficult environment. Another reason I wanted to have James on is we always get questions about, well, will Music Academy success work in my part of the world? We've worked with people in Australia, Serbia, Europe, all over Middle East. So Canada is the second country to the United States that we serve. So we have lots of Canadians in the program. So I'm very excited today to welcome Mr. James Franzek. James, how are you today? I'm doing great, Marty. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So let's just go ahead and dive in. Um, you know, tell us about yourself and tell us about your schools. Sure, sure. Um, I'm, uh, of course, from Canada. I live in a small town called Acton, Ontario. I have two music schools, one of them in Oakville, Ontario, the other one in Georgetown, Ontario. Um, we've been there since about 1994. 1994, sorry, 1994 is when we actually opened. We have two locations in Ontario, Canada. One of them is in Oakville, Ontario. The other one is in Georgetown, Ontario. I first started teaching for the schools uh, a few years before I purchased the locations, working for the previous owner. He wanted to get out. Um, I had actually met my wife at the studios, we got married. And so when it was time for the previous owner to uh, to move on himself, uh, we were a good candidate. And so we purchased the schools in 2001. And we've been running those two locations now since then. Awesome. Well, let's, let's kind of dive in um, and talk about COVID. As I said, you know, I'm in the United States and I've worked with people in 44 different states. And it's really run the gamut, James, of people that... Um, you know, in South Carolina, for example, things are wide open. Texas, things are open. Um, Florida, things are pretty open. California, not as much. You know, you are going to be at Disney World with us. Um, and, uh, you know, like a lot of our clients, we you know, do that every year. We go to annual pilgrimage to Disney with our top members. And Disney in Florida is open. Um, you know, Disneyland in California, closed. 
Um, so it's been very schizophrenic, but take us through the landscape in Canada, you know, and, and let's go back to kind of March 2020, which is a time I'll never forget. Take us through what happened then. But even fast forwarding to now, a year later, things are still pretty locked down. And from what I hear, the vaccine's going slow. So um, before we talk about your numbers and more about your business, let's talk about just the country and COVID and start with last March. Take us through that. Sure, sure. Um, I think the last March all around the entire planet, um, it shut down. It was, it was frightening, of course, for all of us. It was March. Now, we have our March break um, where we shut down for a week. So the good thing was that it happened um, a week, a couple of days, in fact, before we were closing down for March break. So I actually had a week to prepare, but it was probably the most emotional week um, that I've had in my entire life. You know, we have a business that's that's flourishing and the students are all coming in. The teachers are all coming in. and We're having a great old time. And within seven days, we have to pivot the entire business to the online system. And what's interesting about that is I, I know a few friends uh, here in my area that are also mask members. And I didn't actually take it all that seriously. We saw the news. We saw it was coming, you know, um, but I didn't think it was going to be a huge issue. Um, and this one particular friend of mine uh, said, no, James, I think you need to take this seriously. You need to pivot now. If I had not been friends with this other mass member, I don't think I would have taken it nearly as seriously as I did. And I thought I think I would have really suffered badly for it. So um you know, not only the things that I have learned, uh, you know, in mass over the years, the insight that I get from others in this particular case literally saved my business. Um, as of today, we are not locked down in Ontario entirely. Uh, it, it's a regional thing. Our particular region is in a zone called the red zone, which means we're allowed to be open, but we have a whole lot of uh, safety precautions. We have about 60% of our students still taking lessons online and about 40% are coming in. A lot of the new students registering, however, are registering because they're, they're wanting in-person lessons again. And um, you know that's kind of the way it's working out now. Um, as far as Disney goes, I'm pretty excited about it. However, I am going to be doing it online this year. Um, our government still has the borders locked down and non-essential travel is, is not okay. If it were the case, I would actually have to, um, you know, uh, isolate for 14 days upon my return. So the great thing is about the Disney experience this year is uh, you've made it available online as well as in person. So I'm going to be able to get all the information and, uh, and all the event and connect with my friends online, even though I can't be there myself. So, you know, let's go to fast forward to now, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you and I talk, you know, monthly, um, and you also are the Canadian operator for the musical ladder system. We're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you're doing really well, James. I mean, as you said, a lot of people, um, they, they tried to go it alone and um, a lot of them just given up. A lot of them sold. A lot of my competing coaches have sold their businesses, um, but we're in a different zone. So let's talk about, you know, currently, you know, um, let's talk numbers. Um, how are things at your schools? Amazing. Um, I'd like to talk about numbers pre-COVID because I think that that's just as important as what's happening right now. Um, Pre-COVID in March, we were at our highest number ever. We had 523 students. Um, and uh, I mean, from our beginning stages, that's an absolutely remarkable number. And, and life has been fantastic. COVID hit. 
we literally adopt, oh, I'm going to say 150 or more students. We were down to about 320 something. Um, and it was it was frightening. Again, I mentioned before, it was it was really scary. And I thought that if the numbers keep going down, we're going to have to close our doors as well. The great thing about uh, Mass and, of course, um, your efforts, Marty, is you opened up those coronavirus calls and you you stepped up the game. And every single week you were on there talking about what you were doing in your schools and helping to guide us through ours. So, yeah, our numbers dropped down. We were closed. Um until August 1st, where they brought us into the red zone, they allowed us to open. As soon as we were allowed to open, we were still floating around 330 students. So all that time, we hadn't actually lost any more. Went down to about 320 something, continued to maintain that all summer long until we hit August when we reopened. I then applied a whole pile of the lessons that I had learned not only from you, but from the other mass members going through the experience as well that had opened before we did. And I doubled down and we grew and we grew and we grew and it was great. We were up at about, I'm going to guess 550 or 560 by Christmas time. So not only had we recovered our numbers, the 520, no, 523, but we had actually grown by several students coming into uh, Christmas. Christmas time in our province, they actually shut down again. So the COVID numbers, wave two came in, they shut everything all down again. We had to send everybody home. But this time we were prepared. We had been through this and we had learned from the experience from others as well. So we did not drop numbers. In fact, the opposite happened. We were closed from Christmas right up until February 24th or 22nd, somewhere around that neighborhood. We had grown even more. And basically, we told people that we were going to start them online. And as soon as things opened up, then we were going to go in person. And it was working like a charm. Today, we were at 611 students. Wow. So this is one year from our lockdown, almost one year from our total lockdown. And we have grown from 523 students to 611 that you see today. It has been remarkable. Yeah, it really is. Um, what I'd like to talk about something a lot of people don't know about, James, that you educated me on. You know, of course, the United States, um, everybody's familiar with the first round of the payroll protection plan, PPP, and then the second round, which just came out. They're familiar with things like EIDL um, loans, that kind of thing, um, forgivable grants. But the Canadian government has an interesting um, support system that we do not have in the United States um, with, with subsidies for you guys. Um, can you kind of take us through, for especially for us non-Canadians, how that works? Yeah, well, there was two particular uh, benefits that they added very, fairly quickly. Now, specifically for business, for people all over the country, the government actually um, offered a program where they gave every single person who applied for it two thousand dollars a month in order to survive through the pandemic. So, if you lost your job, then 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 you were it was fine. For businesses, what they did is they they started off making loans available, so they were government guaranteed loans at 0% interest. So they started off with a round of $40,000. So every business that had employees that made more than $20,000 a year, or sorry, I, I suppose $20,000 a year total payroll, um, you could apply for this loan of $40,000 to help carry you through. So I applied for that and received it. Then shortly thereafter, they introduced a payroll subsidy program. 
And so if you applied for the program or if you're qualified for the program, you were eligible to have the government pay 75 to or up to 75% of your labor. And so that was enormously helpful. We had a couple of office staff, um, you know, through the entire pandemic and uh, the government did in fact pay 75% of their wages throughout the hardest times until we start growing. As soon as we started growing, our numbers were up, our revenue was up, we no longer needed the subsidy. But if we didn't have it, then I think it would have been uh, a lot more difficult to make it through those hard times. Sure. You know, we did an event um, for our members, as I said earlier, you know, we go to Disney, um, you know, once a year, um, and we do a lot of cool things. We, we, we have a lot of really great live events. You know, we're going to Nashville this year. We've been to Dallas, um, you know, really big keynote speakers, everybody from Randy Zuckerberg, who invented Facebook Live, or Zuckerberg Media. She's the author of Pick 3. Um, we've got New York Times um, bestselling author Dave Kirpin, CEO of Likeable, which, as an aside, um, yeah, I'm prepping for his appearance um, James and he's got like seven hundred thousand followers on social media. He's a mind-boggling number, right? Um, and and one of the events we did was in New York City, which ironically was um, six months before the pandemic broke. Um, and um, you know we were right there in Times Square, and we got to perform at Steinway Hall, and you got to perform as well, and I got to perform. Um, so you know the cool thing about Mass is we're not all only business owners, but we're musicians. Um, we are all a combination of music instructors, music teachers, music business owners, but also performers. Um, you uh, call it the fiddle versus the violin. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you more kind of, you know, I, I would call it folk music, but take us through your musicianship. I want to know about your upbringing, what you did as a kid, a teenager, and, and develop into a fiddle player. And I'd love to hear more about currently um, you know, of course, before COVID broke out, but under normal circumstances, what you do, where you play, what kind of stuff you play. So let's talk about Jay's project, The Fiddle Player. Well, interestingly enough, I wasn't always a fiddle player. When I grew up, I was a guitar player. I was, uh, I was 13 years old and I got an old Yamaha acoustic guitar from a neighbor. And I was, I was quite fascinated with that. Um, I started kind of learning on my own. We didn't have YouTube at the time, but, you know, there was a local music store. I would take the bus over there and get as many music books. Uh, in, in fact, the, the Beatles Complete was a music book. I mean, I must have learned every Beatles song over the course of that first year. <laughs> and, awesome. um, you know, I, I do remember, you know, getting into music wasn't um, wasn't the thing that I just woke up one day and said, oh, my gosh, I have to be a musician. This, had, this, this is everything to me. It was just a happenstance that, you know, my mom happened to be a, a piano player and a piano teacher. And I, I have nice memories uh, as a young child sitting under the piano, listening to her play hymns. So, I mean, it was a part of my environment, um, but it wasn't a, a real passion. It was just a thing that existed that I, that I, that I kind of went through as a young person. It, it helped me through some hard times. I did take private lessons for a long time. And once I started figuring it out, I wanted more and I wanted more and I wanted more. So I became more passionate about it as I learned more. Um, I do not have a university degree in music. I decided not to study music in university, um, but it had always been a part of my life. I was 22 years old, I, I remember, and um, I was playing a lot of gigs and uh, I got the opportunity to teach at a music school. Um, and really it was kids wanted to learn how to play rock music and blues and jazz and that sort of thing as a guitarist. 
Um, and I discovered that as I was going through that process, I was particularly good at it. I was extremely good at um, breaking down the lessons and helping kids understand music in ways that it seemed a lot of other instructors weren't. And that may have been just my, you know, my, my, um, my experience as a musician. I, you know, I worked exceptionally hard trying and, and learn and keep up. Um, and I think that that experience as a musician really helped me to relate to kids as they were learning. Um, so in addition to that, I played a lot of gigs. So uh, the regular thing for me when I was in my 20s was um, that I would teach four or five evenings a week at the studio. Um, and then I would gig on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, mostly classic rock and blues and top 40 and that sort of thing. Um, it wasn't until a bit later on. Uh, I was actually 26 years old and I had uh, I met my wife. The previous owners of the music school that I taught for decided that they wanted to start a violin program mm -hmm. and they didn't know where to begin. And so they literally approached me with a new violin in hand and said, hey, man, I'd really like you to learn how to play this thing. And then maybe we can get some lessons going. So I said, well, all right, we'll give it a shot. I tried learning the classical uh, method. I, I took lessons. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm just I'm just not a classical guy. Um, you know, I prefer more traditional styles of music to begin with. But I did my best. My wife and I actually took a trip to Cape Breton Island, which is uh, which is in Nova Scotia, Canada. And um, the story is, is if you throw a stone in any direction in Cape Breton, you're going to hit a fiddler. So the, mm -hmm. the community is very thick and the tradition is deep. And so we're traveling around the island there and we we experienced so much fiddle music. And that's really when it got my attention. Mm -hmm. And so almost like a lead brick, it hit me uh, in my in my mid 20s that the fiddle was something I really wanted to explore. And so basically, when I got back to uh, the Toronto area, I, I sought out a Cape Breton fiddle teacher in particular, a gentleman named uh, Sandy McIntyre. Um, he's one of the one of the finest players from Cape Breton Island. And I took private lessons and I attended sessions um, and every opportunity I got, I sat in with him when he was teaching fiddle and I sat in with him as, you know, teaching dance classes and I took the opportunity to play dance music for the beginners and so on and so forth for, for you know, I'm going to say 10 years, just religiously playing every opportunity I can get, learning more tunes, learning more about the tradition uh, until uh, today. And now, of course, I am more of a fiddler than I am a guitar player. It has become a, an intense part of my life. And that's what most people know of me now. Yeah, and like I said, it was awesome to see you perform. Um, I and you had an accompanist with you. You want to talk about her a little bit or talk about some of the musicians you play with on a regular basis? Yeah, you know, with, with the fiddle pre-COVID, I, I often played in pubs and restaurants and I would have a guitar player and a piano player with me. Her name is, uh, is Heather and she's, a, she's an engineer who has, uh, you know, a lifetime of piano experience. And um, much like me, she got into the Celtic music later on in life, but found a passion for it. So we, uh, we, we were playing quite frequently in pubs until, of course, COVID hit. One thing that I didn't mention that I probably should have is throughout that journey, I actually opened up an orchestra. I began an orchestra, which was originally to be a club, I, you know, and I invited people to come and learn um, Cape Breton style and Scottish and Irish fiddling with me over the course of several years. In fact, it was 14 years before I handed off the director's position to somebody else. I had built that up into 40 uh, musicians mostly made up of seniors who had taken lessons with me 
as adults. They had never played before. So I would teach these classes and, uh, and develop them into learning the tunes, put them together in an orchestra. And over the course of years, uh, you know, 14 years, we played regular concerts, uh, you know, in churches and we raised uh, thousands and thousands of dollars for uh, charity throughout the whole process. Awesome. So, you know, um, you got a lot going on and that's what I think is very important, James, for people to understand about mass is a lot of people, um, they're kind of insular musicians, right? Um, they, they tend to think of kind of their world versus the world. And what I mean by that is it's interesting with me having done this since 2008, the diversity we have in the music Academy success. Um, you know, we have mariachi schools, Indian music schools, um, hip hop schools, country schools, um, jazz schools, and I mean, high level jazz schools, classical schools, rock schools, um, you know, all, all over. And, and also one of the main reasons I want to have you on the podcast today is not only do I think musicians get stuck being insular with the genres they do, um, I think they also get insular on where they are. And what I mean by that is they'll say, well, I'm in a small town, so you don't understand, or I'm in Manhattan, you don't understand. And as you know, um, we have people in Toronto, Miami, London, Los Angeles, Topeka, Kansas, you know, um, Bear Elk, Montana, stuff like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, if that's a town, my point is small, small towns, a thousand people, you know, and I'd like for you to touch upon, um, you know, how mass works in Canada. I mean, obviously the numbers speak for themselves, but what would you say to somebody listening to this right now who, who maybe is Canadian or European or Australian they're saying, I don't know, you know, how's this stuff from this guy from South Carolina, the States, how in the world is this going to work here? What would you say to them? You know, I actually thought the same thing and I struggled. One of my locations is in a smaller town and uh, I was going to close it down. I don't know if you recall, but we had a, a conversation once on a boat in uh, Lake Murray in South Carolina there. And uh, I was I was nervous and I really wasn't growing that school and I was going to shut it down. And you said, well, James, maybe it's not the best idea to shut it down. Maybe we need to keep this going and, and kind of, you know, focus some more energy here and help it grow. Um, that was probably one of the best conversations and the best things I could have done for my school because it did work. So, first of all, I do have two locations. One is in a, in a larger market and one is in a small town. And the small town uh, school is growing like wildfire right now. And the reason behind it is the same reason um, that musicians and other music school owners and teachers don't really understand is that marketing fundamentals are the same all over the entire planet. It doesn't make any difference whether you're in a small town in the United States or Canada or whether you're in a huge city in, in Australia. It doesn't make any difference because people think the same way. We all want the exact same things as human beings. Parents love their children, and that's absolutely universal. And the message that is being sent to them is also universal. So the marketing concepts that are taught in mass really bear down to the fundamentals of human nature. And that's why it works absolutely anywhere um, for any school, for any style of music, because in my opinion, people want the same things. Humans haven't changed in thousands and thousands of years. We still want the same thing. We still love our children. We still want what's best for them. And I'm glad you said that because two things come to mind from, from talking to you today, James, on the podcast. 
Uh, one, I, I, compl- like, I completely agree. I just got three things to say. One, I completely agree because you know, even though we're a coaching program, at the end of the day, SEO is SEO and marketing is marketing and social media marketing is, is what it is and co- software is software. But as you know, a lot of my clients are celebrating 10 plus years with me. And you've got music students like that. They'll take lessons at your school for over 10 years and they're your most serious ones. And the reason they stay around mass is, is that we veer from the mechanics of marketing to it's really mastering the art of dealing with the human condition because we deal with human clients, human um, teachers and human office staff members. And there are patterns. So I completely agree with that. Um, You know, second of all, uh, I want to talk about um, the other part of the human condition, which has been a silver lining through COVID, if there is one, which I think there is one, you know, for years, Major publications, Wall Street Journal, um, you know, New York Times will come out and say Skype is going to disrupt our industry and put us out of business. And even some top business gurus said as much. And what this has shown us, James, um, is that is just not true. The good news for everybody on this podcast, no matter when they listen to it, is COVID has shown us that without a doubt, um, people prefer in-person music lessons in our business model. I get this question all the time, James. They say, well, Marty, what's the outlook for the future? Where's the future? Where's the, where's our industry headed? And the outlook, as you know, Mr. Franzek is awesome. (laughs) You know, Um, if people have their marketing systems down, if they have their schools together, if they have the right systems in, if they get support, as you said, because you've also talked about some big things on today's podcast, you get support from your fellow members, you get support from me. And you're no different than a Canadian hockey player. Every Canadian hockey player, these guys make millions of Canadian dollars, right? But they have coaches, <laughs> not because they don't know how to play hockey, right? But because the coaches pull out the best in them. Um, so, so the part of the kids loving the parents loving their kids and the human condition is we are social creatures. We want to be together. And the last one I want to touch upon is, is back to the boat story. Every year we do an advanced academy, um, and you know we we've, we've grown that from it started just as a meeting in Columbia, Lake Murray. I don't know if you know this used to be the largest man-made lake in the world and it was flooded. It was farmland and they flooded it and they used it in the um, in World War II for bombing training for the pilots. Um, wow. So there's, there's planes at the bottom of Lake Murray. There's um, a island called Bomber Island and they would use the, the islands for targets. Um, you know, of course, when we were there, the bombing's way over. <laughs> um, but the, a sad note, that boat that we went on, it was a two-story yacht we rented and we loved doing that for the members. Um, and it gave us a good time to network and, and chat, as you said, but they've decommissioned that. Apparently they had to take it out of the water and it was just cost prohibitive. So it's now um, permanently docked, which is a shame. But yeah, you know, you and I were able to have a conversation of let's don't shut this thing down. Let's keep it going. You know, um, I could talk to you for four hours. I'm going to move on to some other things I wanted to hit just for the sake of the podcast clock, so to speak, James. Um, student retention is an issue for all of us no matter what kind of school we run, no matter where we are. Um, musical ladder system um, is something I invented. It has nine U.S. patents that are in hand. We've got more pending. Uh, we've also got a utility patent pending. Um, it's licensed by over 100 schools all around the world. And it, we're almost to the 50,000 student mark, James, for students that use that. Um, you are the Canadian operator I am. for the musical ladder. And the reason we did that is um, there are um, you know, uh, currency conversion issues, exchange rate issues. It's a better way to say it between the Canada and the U S um, shipping issues, customs issues is a big one. 
Um, so by having you there, it, it solves a lot. So take us through what is the Musical Ladder Canada? How does it work? And uh, how can somebody get in touch with you if they want for more information? Sure, sure. Um, actually, I want to talk about three things specifically about the Musical Ladder. When you look at it, for, so you did mention that it's a retention tool, and it absolutely is a retention tool. It's it's huge. Um, you know, I had a conversation with a math teacher once, um, you know, my son's teacher, and he had mentioned that one of the things he has discovered that if you can help a child understand that they're good at something, then they are going to love it. Period. It's as simple as that. If you look back to your own, um, you know, upbringing, your own education, the things that you loved the most were the things that you were good at, and the things that you were good at were the things that you loved the most. So the musical ladder system is such an organized program that that allows the schools and the teachers to help children understand that they are good at this, that they can do this. This, in turn, automatically makes them enjoy it more and want to continue in lessons. Now, you and I already know that, as a general rule, we are not teaching professional musicians. A certain percentage of our students are going to grow, and they're going to go to university, and they're going to become professional musicians. But for the most part, in my opinion, I don't want to speak for you or anybody else, but I believe that my business is there in order to make music an important people, uh, part of people's lives. And, and so in order to help them along that journey, we need to help them understand that this is for everybody. They are capable of doing this. The musical ladder system as a retention tool really keeps their attention, keeps their focus and keeps them believing that they're capable and wanting to do more, therefore making them into better musicians. Two other things, though, that we don't talk about as much. And these are, are huge, especially for me. Um, referrals is one of them. I implemented the program in January, I believe it was 2015, and it was only two weeks following that that a mom called, uh, and the conversation kind of went like this. She says she's sitting down having a cup of coffee with a friend of hers, and her son just came back with this wristband and this and the certificate from his guitar lessons. He's really excited. He's really happy. Now my son wants to get into guitar lessons. Where do I start? And so it occurred to me at that moment that um, this is going to spread like crazy. Our students are going to love this and they're going to share this with all their friends. So from a business perspective, referrals are the things that you're always working towards, right? In addition, of course, to the wide variety of referral programs and systems that we have in place that we learn from Mass, the musical ladder was a real step up as far as creating referrals and bringing in new students to our school. The third thing that I think is really important is that it helps parents to decide on who the right school is for them. When they come into your lobby and they, the mom approaches the desk and she's asking the lady all these questions about how much is it going to cost and how long am I committed for and how much do we have to practice, that kind of thing. The kid has already gravitated towards the, the, the display of trophies and you know they're drooling a little bit. And they're, the only thing on this kid's mind is when do I get a trophy, mom? I really want to work hard. I really want to get a trophy. This matters. When a parent is trying to decide between two or three different schools, the school with the opportunities for their children to excel in music and to set personal musical goals and to achieve is the school they're going to choose. So the musical ladder is not only a retention tool, it's an overall package that, that does improve your retention 
and it increases your referrals, and it helps parents decide that you are a better school for their children. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as far as as far as reaching me, you can send me an email at admin. That's a d m i n at academy music. That's academy music, not of in between. Admin at academy music dot org o r g. You can also go to musicalladdersystem.ca. That's musicalladdersystem.ca and fill out a quick form for uh, to request more information. And then we'll get back to you with more details on how the whole program works so that you could possibly put it in your school and improve your conversions, improve your referrals and improve your attention. So definitely reach out to James. Um, and that's whether you're in the U.S. or, or in Canada because um, you are willing to talk to really um, we need to let them know about this. You're, you're happy to chat with anybody in the world, wherever they are, about how the ladder system works, right? I am. I am. And the truth is, you know, sometimes these conversations get quite animated. I love the program and it's been such a game changer for my own business um, that I, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. Just uh, book some time with me and we'll chat. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about mentorship. You know, we are in the business of mentorship um, and I, I have mentors still as well, James. I've got a business, various business coaching mentors, one primary one. I've got an appointment with him this Thursday. I coach with him monthly and I have going on now 12 years, right? Um, I have, you know, uh, exercise mentor. I, I have, you know, that work out with five days a week, um, you know, for my, my physical needs. Um, and of course, I've had numerous musical mentors, um, I, you know, got a master's degree in classical guitar. I was a professor at USC Upstate for six years, teaching applied guitar, group guitar, intro to music, music business. Also taught at Midlands Technical College, founded a vocational school as part of Midlands Technical College Continuing Ed called the Midlands Audio Institute, um, Pro Tools classes, music business, live sound, that kind of thing. So you know, I, I am definitely in the, as are you, in the world of, of mentorship. But a lot of musicians struggle with that. Um, there is a disconnect between the whole concept of musical mentorship, which is what a piano teacher does, guitar teacher does, or what a fiddle teacher does, right, James? Sure. And business mentorship. And, and deservedly so. Business mentorship gets a lot of um, a bad reputation, and it should, because there's a lot of shady operators out there that really don't have any business or interest coaching. They just want to go in for quick money, and they bail. And there's a lot of problems in our industry. However, um, there are a lot of good coaches and there are a lot of good programs and there's no way that music Academy success. Like if you Google music Academy success, if you look at us on Facebook, if you check us out at the better business bureau since 2008, we've never had one bad review. And that's really hard to do my friend. Um, especially when, you know, we charge real rates for what we do, the best music teachers and what we help music teachers to do is to charge the best rates, right? Um, right. the best music teachers are not charging the cheapest rates. And that's kind of a red flag to me. If somebody sees a business coach and they're charging like a low entry thing, $39, 99, whatever it is, that, that's not real business coaching. You know, if somebody's going to open their entire world to somebody else and show them everything, which is what we do, they're not going to do it for a cheap price. They're going to do it for a price that makes sense for both parties. So two questions for you. Can you comment on the comparables between music mentorship? Everybody on this podcast that's a musician has had music teachers but very few of them had business mentors and what business mentorship is to you. Um, and also the whole concept of investing in yourself um, of, you know, that there's lots of free eBooks and that kind of thing. How that, how that 
compares to what we do in mass, which is a more high level investment intensive thing. Can you take us through those two things, you know, business mentorship and music mentorship, and also, you know, really what mass does and um, at the fees we charge? Sure, sure. As far as uh, as music mentorship, I mean, I think everybody listening to this call likely understands that you are not going to be able to grow as a musician unless you have somebody that has the proper techniques, that has the proper, um, you know, the information that, that, that you need in order to develop. I mean, there are certain techniques that you simply cannot accomplish, certain songs that you cannot play without developing specific techniques in order to allow your body to physically do that and mentally do that. This is why we take lessons from somebody that's considerably more advanced than we are. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer as far as I'm sitting. The problem with, with business coaching versus um, musicians that don't really understand the whole idea is that they really don't know what they don't know. It's not as easy for them to see the bigger picture, in my opinion. They get wrapped up in this little thing. Yeah. So, so as far as, as um, you know, getting business mentorship, you would never dream of learning music entirely on your own. And we've seen how that works out. YouTube is a huge example of that situation. Lots of people start on YouTube, but you, you hit a wall. You, you, you end up not being able to progress as quickly as you could or should because you're simply staring at a screen and getting basic fundamental lessons. Not even fundamental, just basic lessons um, without it being tailored to your situation. I personally struggle with the idea when I talk to other musicians and I talk to other um, you know music school owners that are not in the program, I find the whole thing quite frustrating because an opportunity is right there for you to, to learn how to grow your business in a similar way with a coach that has actually been there and is considered, pardon me, uh, a coach that's actually been there and a coach that is currently doing it as well. Um, you know, in the mass program, and we'll talk about the mentorship from the other people as well. I think that's a good idea. But as far as you're concerned, uh, Marty, your schools have 1,500 students. You've been running the mass for, I, I think it's 13 years or something like that. You built up your programs from scratch. You started small and you gradually built and you learned the lessons and you gradually built. When I think about mass, I think about what would I pay exactly for the opportunity to sit in front of somebody who has done this from beginning to end, and is still continuing to run his programs. What would I pay exactly in order to sit and get all that information from somebody? That's worth so much more than a university degree. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that's really important as well. The other thing is, is, is um, I know that there, I know of quite a few business coaches, some of them in the industry and some of them that are not in the industry. And I have discovered that a large percentage of these business coaches are no longer running their business. And I, I find that frustrating. One of the reasons why I stay in mass is because the information I get on a weekly and a monthly basis is always current and it's always relevant to what's happening in my music school and what's happening in the world today, right now. If I'm trying to get advice from a business owner, or I'm sorry, a business coach um, that sold a school two years ago, well, what does he know about running a music school during COVID? And so I find that, and I find in the nicest possible way I want to express that I find that very frustrating, um, that I don't think it's wise to learn from a coach that's no longer doing it because 
the world changes so quickly and the industry changes so quickly that you need to be learning from somebody who is current and up to date and living the same life that you are. Absolutely. And I completely agree. And that's a big advantage we have in mass. And um, you know, we are about at time, but I really enjoyed the podcast today. I would love to do another one in the future. We have so much we could talk about. And I want to congratulate you, James. You've come through COVID strong. Um, all of my Canadian clients have had a very difficult time, um, but you just get an A plus across the board. You know, it's just been amazing. Um, before we let you run, off to fiddle and running the schools and, and being a dad and all the stuff it is that you do <laughs> and ladder and everything else. You, you're a very prolific entrepreneur. Uh, did you have any closing comments or words you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, um, I actually would like to mention one thing that I feel is extremely important. And when I joined Mass in the first place, it was this one concept that helped me to understand its value. I don't know specifically what the program costs currently. It's been a few years since I joined. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you'd, if you wouldn't mind sharing that, that would be great. But when I joined, it was in the neighborhood of $1,400 or $1,500. Right? And I believe that there were payments that you could make. And it was very easy to join. And I know there was a guarantee, but I'm sure you'll explain all that. I told my wife that I was thinking about joining this program. And she just about fell off her chair. She said, how much? $1,500? You're kidding me. But then I actually spoke at that time with another mass member. And he explained it to me this way. He said, listen, how much do you charge for lessons? How much do you pay your teacher? What do you have left over? That number is really important because you have to decide how many students you need to get by joining this program. So when I did the math, in my particular situation, the answer was two. I needed two students to make it worth getting started in this program. And so it's a much easier, when you add the guarantee on top of that, all you need is two students to find out if this is going to, what are the odds if you're going to sit in front of um, a business coach who has grown his schools to 1,500 and helped schools grow to as high as 4,000, that you're not going to get two students out of this. And so at the time for me, that was a really important piece of information that really helped move me forward. Of course, as you know, I have gotten an awful lot more than two students out of being a mass member. My entire life is different now. So um, on that note, Marty, thank you so much. I truly appreciate your program. Well, and thank you. And thanks goes back to you because you're a smart guy. You are um, passionate about what you do. You're persistent. You're a hard worker. And um, you're third location. And who knows what else is coming? Um, as you said, it's it's very simple in mass. We've actually have even improved the terms, James, to where now uh, we're the only program. We do a free trial. Essentially, we will ship it for free. Everybody's got 30 days to check it out. First charge, they can pick their own date 30 days out. Because you know how it is, James. People come to us, they don't have money. I didn't have money when I was starting out in my studio and doing Marty Ford Guitar Studio. So we make it as easy as possible. We make it easier than any other program. So again, Somebody is approved. If they're not blocked, they fill out the application. They go to musicacademysuccess.com slash apply. If they're approved, we uh, ship it to them for free. They have 30 days. They choose their first billing date. And then, of course, they stick around because there's so much awesome stuff in there. And it's three payments of $4.99. 30 days apart. It doesn't get any easier than that. And we're still today the only program in existence with over 10 years of experience with a full 100% money back guarantee. So that's really simple decision. There's only two outcomes, James. People either come on board and they're happy and they got a full 12 months. There's no rush. There's no 14 day trial. There's no quick 30 day trial. They got 12 months to make up their mind. And there is no way somebody can stick around mass and really try, right? For 12 months and not 
get two students and a whole lot more. So listen, um, once again, give them that website, give them the Canadian Musical Ladder website and give them the U.S. Musical Ladder site. Yeah, it's a, it's the same website with just a different uh, a different ending. So it's Musical Ladder system.ca if you're Canadian and it's musical ladder system.com if you're in the US or anywhere else if you hit either one of them if you're 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 an American and, and you request info on the Canadian site it's no problem at all I'll make sure it gets to where it needs to go and of course feel free to reach out I'm happy to chat with you on a personal level about it God bless you James you're doing amazing work keep rocking and everybody thank you for checking out the podcast be sure to subscribe on iTunes we'll see you on the next podcast And here's to your Music Academy success.